Are you wandering in the wilderness? Or are you a voice in the wilderness? Welcome to the Revival Cry podcast. This is your host, Eric Miller. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The goal of this podcast is to encourage you to use the voice God has given you to make Jesus famous. Every week, we will share principles from the Word of God, interviews, and encouragement in order to strengthen your voice. Thank you for joining me today. And now here is today's podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Revival Cry. This is your host, Eric Miller. We're so grateful to be with you today. Praise God. You know, we're thrilled to see people interacting with our YouTube uh, channel, Revival Cry, uh, subscribing to our podcast, and all of those who are listening to us on Mango Radio every Thursday night from 6.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. and Saturday morning, 6.30 a.m. to 7 a.m. Well, I'm just going to pray and just invite the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts and change our lives. Father, we welcome you today and we love you. We thank you for your word and the Spirit working together to speak to us and change us and bring us into the likeness of Jesus. We welcome you and we ask that you'd have your way in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, today I want to talk to you about that we are called to be revivalists, not survivalists. Revivalists, not survivalists. You know, when I got right with God, you've probably heard me share my story here at some point, but I heard the gospel when I was 14 years old and I was in church and I was doing all the right things, but then I wasn't surrendered to the Lord. There was still sin in my life. It was mastering me. I was a slave to it. And I was addicted to pornography for at least several years. And at the end of that time, when I was about 21, I became a youth pastor in a local church. And it was a thriving local church. The church grew from 100 to 500 people in the three years or so, four years that I was the youth pastor. And my youth group grew from about 15 to about 75 plus teenagers every week. And so we had a lot of favor in the community. And I was busy with ministry, but I didn't know what it was like to be a son. And I had the Lord speak to me one day. He said, Eric, you know how to pray and do your devotions as a minister, but not as a son. And that was such a radical moment in my life that when I remember hearing that word from the Lord, it really gripped me and made me begin to seek out what I needed to do to change. And because I had this pornography addiction, you know, I was looking at stuff that I would never look at if if other people were around and ex- most most importantly if knowing that Jesus is right there with me. And and so I had accountability partners, I was reading books on deliverance and how to get free. I was going to a 
Christian psychologists once a week driving two hours each way to get there and paying the money I had to pay. And I did that for like two or three months. And there was no breakthrough until the day in August of 1997 that I stood in front of the church of 500 people and I repented. And nobody forced me or coerced me. I poured out my heart before God and before the people repenting for my sin and didn't go into great details, just made it clear that I needed to repent as a leader. And as I walked down the middle of the aisle, I felt like chains with hooks in my flesh were pulled out of me and I was totally set free. I've never been the same since August of 1997. Praise the Lord. Listen, when I got saved, I want to say I got so saved. I got radically saved. We were so hungry, my wife Casey and I, for the Word of God, for His presence. And I knew, suddenly you know, that when you surrender your life to God, that you're not called to just survive in this world. You're called to thrive. You know, you're called to, I'm not saying that we'll have everything we want in this life, but we're called to depend upon the Lord. Jesus becomes the cornerstone of our lives, and therefore we're not living life according to our own might, power, and strength anymore. But now we're living out the Word of God. We're living in truth before God. We understand His voice, and we love His Word, and we want to know Him more. Paul said, I want to know you, Lord. I don't want to just know about Jesus. I want to know you, Lord. Not for the sake of becoming a well-known preacher or missionary or any title anybody would give me, but we do what we do because there's been a fire that's been set in our hearts. I'm not just trying to survive, my friend. We are called to be revivalists, not survivalists. Praise God. And so, you know, recently... I had read an article and there was a quote from Jonathan Kahn and this is what he said. He said, what is the answer to pornography? He said, the presence of God. When I read that, it was so clear to me that that's what God did in my life. When I got radically set free, I was used to going to church. I was used to reading the Bible. I was used to praying and doing all the ministry stuff without the presence of God. And my friend, that's not what God designed us to do. Even Moses understood in Exodus 33 that if your presence, oh God, doesn't go with us, then we don't want to go up from here. Our identity is in the presence of the Lord, is in the Word of God. And when the Word and the Spirit become one inside of you and me, we become a temple of the Holy Ghost to where God is able to demonstrate His kingdom in and through our lives. Amen and amen. Praise God. The presence of God. Friend, I don't know what you're struggling with today. I don't know if it's pornography like I struggle with, with lust or anger or gambling or debt or hatred, anger, you know, selfishness, pride, whatever it is that you're struggling with. I want you to know that the antidote to your life is the word and the spirit the presence of God in your life. He wants to be real. Jesus wants 
you to know him by revelation and wisdom. He wants you to know him by his word and by his spirit. And so uh, I couldn't agree more with Jonathan Kahn's take that it's the presence of God. That's how people get free. When Jesus is among us, he's the one who sets captives free. He's the one who delivers and guides us and speaks to us where we should go and what we should do with our lives. And I know that when that breakthrough took place in my life, my friend, I was hungry for the glory of the Lord, not to take his glory from him, but to give him more glory, to praise him, to honor him, to value the name of Jesus. So I didn't want to look at stuff anymore that used to uh, drive me and enslave me. I didn't want to talk negatively. I didn't want to curse anymore. I began to feel convicted. You know, there's two things that happen in the believer when you're born again. We feel conviction and we will feel condemnation. Conviction comes from the Word of God, from the Holy Spirit. Condemnation comes from the devil, comes from his accusations. And we've got to learn how to hear in between. You see, some people, when they live according to being a survivalist, it's because they feel like they're walking in guilt and condemnation and fear and shame, torment all the time. But see, if you're a revivalist, friend, no longer are you bound by the works of condemnation and guilt, but you live by conviction and you know that when you repent, that the Holy Spirit is with you, that Jesus will never leave you or forsake you, but will be with you always, even until the end. And you know, before I had such a radical breakthrough and encounter with the Lord, I felt like I had to do a little digging. You know, uh, uh, my the pastor of our church, Pastor Armin Valdez, here in Davao City of Maranatha Ministries, He's been digging a well at his house. He's he's worked really hard digging deep in the ground and 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 you know creating a beautiful well. I saw a picture today on Facebook of it. But sometimes that's what we got to do if we want to have a radical encounter with God and and meet with the presence of God. We got to dig a little bit. And you know, once you find water and you dig a well, then you can taste and see that the Lord is good. God, Jesus did not just die on the cross so that we would survive. He wants us to be thriving with him. He wants us to have abundant life. And again, I don't want to misuse uh, that understanding as if abundant life means that you, you wear nicer clothing and rings and you have a nicer car and a bigger house. That's not the abundant life I'm talking about. I'm talking about the abundant life of having the presence of the Lord among us at all times. Hallelujah. And and so, so many people don't realize that you can experience a life with Jesus that is his presence, his voice, and divine interruptions in your life. Even the early church started with the divine interruption in Acts chapter 2. It says, suddenly, the Holy Spirit, Pentecost, came upon them in such a spectacular way. And, and when God comes upon you in a suddenly way, friend, you don't ever want to let go of that. You want to cultivate that. You want to go deeper. And you want the foundation of the Word of God to be laid in your life so that you can know Him and hear Him in 
everything that you do. You know, there's a group of people in the Bible that were called the Samaritans. And listen to this. This is from Don Stewart, uh, article he wrote on who were the Samaritans. He said the Samaritans were a group of people who lived in Samaria, an area north of Jerusalem. They were half Jews and half Gentiles. When Assyria captured the northern kingdom of Israel in 721 BC, before Christ, some were taken in captivity while others were left behind. The ones left behind intermarried with the Assyrians. Thus, these people were neither fully Hebrew or fully Gentile. The Samaritans had their own unique copy of the first five books of Scripture, right? We, the Jews called the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, as well as their own unique style of worship, system of worship. At the time of Jesus, the Jews and the Samaritans did not deal with one another. However, Jesus ministered to the people of Samaria by preaching the good news of the kingdom to them. So I want to get into John chapter 4. This is the famous story of the Samaritan woman meeting her Messiah. And I, I like to even retitle this, that a survivalist, the Samaritan woman, reads, meets the revivalist, Jesus. Amen? says in verse 1 in John chapter 4, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and again went to Galilee. And he needed to go through Samaria in order to get to where he's going. I think that was on purpose, right? So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar. And it's interesting, the word Sychar in the Greek here means drunken. Now, I don't know why they named it that, but we know in a little while, Jesus is going to have a, an encounter with a Samaritan woman who Jews did not have interaction with at a well where he's going to give her living water. And she no longer has to be known as a, a drunken person, someone drunk on this world and bound with hopelessness, just trying to survive. And so he came to the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone into the city to buy food. So it's kind of unique that Jesus is by himself. I mean, the disciples are with him everywhere he went. And he wants to have an encounter with this woman by himself. Friend, I want you to know, Jesus wants to have an encounter with you by yourself. Sometimes he's going to allow other people to get out of the way. And it may not happen in the church building. But he wants to encounter you right where you are. He wants you to know that I love you. That I want you to be free. I want you to be set ablaze with my presence and my word for your life. So the Samaritan woman in verse 9 says, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews do not deal with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said, If you knew 
the gift of God. And who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. See, that's spoken from a revivalist, friend. He's looking deep into her soul and knows that she's just surviving in life. She's just trying to get some water to further her day and take care of her needs. But she has no understanding the plan and the divine appointment that she's actually having right now with the king of the universe, the king of kings and the lord of lords, the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. The woman said, him, sir, you have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? There had to be some type of hope in her heart because she's thinking, why is this Jew interested to talk to me. I'm just a Samaritan. I'm a woman. And at that time, there probably wasn't a whole lot of interaction, not only between Jews and Samaritans, but men and women. And Jesus answered her and said this, whoever drinks of this water from Jacob's well will thirst again. They'll continue to need to be a survivor. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up to everlasting life. That's a revivalist, my friend. A revivalist is not just a title we're talking about today, but it's somebody who has encountered the presence and the glory of the Lord, and they are so full of his love and his heart, and their heart is broken for what breaks God. God's heart, my friend. God wants to make you into a revivalist today. I'm not saying you got to become a pastor. I'm not saying you got to be an evangelist. I'm saying that if you're a believer, if you're a disciple of Jesus, then this fountain of living water is for you, is for me, so that we could be revivalists, so that we can demonstrate to people in this world that they don't have to just survive, but they can live in absolute hope and expectation, living by faith that God's with them. Hallelujah. Verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. Wow. See, this is what revivalists do. They give hope to the survivalists. Because survivalists will get married over and over and over. A survivalist will go commit adultery. A survivalist will just try to fill needs that only Jesus can fill. And then when they find that people, that money, that things don't satisfy them, my friend, stop living as a survivalist. Stop living as if God doesn't see you and know what's going on in and through your life. I want you to know that Jesus sees your sin, that Jesus sees 
the good things that you do, what is in your heart. But friend, the scripture tells us that there's no one that's good. No, not one. That we all need a savior. That we all need to be revived. That we all need to be alerted to the reality of what we were created for. I want you to know that Jesus, the revivalist, is here and he sees your heart today. And he's not condemning you. He's allowing conviction so that you would lay down everything that you're trying to control in this life and say, my son, my daughter, be at rest, be at peace, find your identity in me. Not that you're a Jew, not that you're a Gentile, not you're a Samaritan, not that you're Filipino or American or Japanese, whatever, but that you know me because I surely know you. I know the number of hairs on your head. I know every detail about your life. Verse 19, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. You know, because the Samaritans felt like they should worship in another place, not in Jerusalem. But Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you... You will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship him. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Friend, Jesus wants you to know that he sees you, that he hears you, that he knows your struggles, and that if you'll bow your knee before him today, if you'll say, Lord, I'm so tired of trying to get you to like me. God loves you already, friend. You don't have to do anything to get God to like you. You you can't erase your past. You can't erase the sin. What you have to do is surrender as a survivalist. And stop trying to hold on to the control of your life. And trying to make things better. I'm not, I'm not saying you can't work hard. I mean, I encourage you. The Bible encourages us to work hard in life. But friend, there has to come a point in our life where we... Be still, that we surrender, that we stop and we allow ourselves to hear his voice like he cried out to Lazarus when he was dead in the tomb. Lazarus, come forth. He's saying that to you today. Come forth. Judy Ann, come forth. Jennifer, come forth. Marvin, come forth. Carlos, come forth. Whoever you are listening in the sound of my voice today, the name above all names is calling to you today. He's calling your name. And he's saying step out of that survivalist mentality and step in to the purpose and the plan that I have for your life as a revivalist. That's who you and I are called to be in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. To worship him in spirit and in truth. Friend, I remember the days 
of not knowing the Lord, of knowing about him, of, of struggling and working so hard and, and trying to get God to uh, erase my sin, but not being responsible to repent of my sin. And I promise you, if you will take personal responsibility and say, Lord, I repent, bring yourself before the Lord and say, here I am, Lord, send me. I'm not my own anymore. I want to surrender my will to your life. I want to follow you. I want to lay down my bank account before you. I want to lay down every relationship I have before you. And if anybody or anything does not fit to help me follow you, then Lord, remove it out of my life. I love my family, but Lord, everything must put you first. Jesus must be first, my friend. You have to surrender your will. You can't continue to argue and have like a tug of rope with God and say, no, I, I don't want to do it. Yes, I want to do it. No, I want to do it. You have to come and lay yourself down with deep conviction. I want to tell you, the greatest title that I feel like I could ever have is being a, a revivalist, a son and daughter of the King of Kings. The woman said to Jesus, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. She's still talking like a survivalist. And then Jesus says to her, I who speak to you am he. <laughs> woman, you don't have to survive anymore. You don't have to just try and make it through the day anymore. There's an old Stephen Curtis Chapman song called Waiting for Lightning. And it talks about people just waiting for God to do something for them. He's already done something for you and me. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came as a baby, gave his life as a man, lived and was tempted in all ways such as we are, but yet without sin. He died on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He shed his blood. And he rose from the dead so that our sin, your sin and my sin could be forgiven. So that we could be revivalists. So that we can survive beyond this life into eternal life. Listen, let's go on to the scripture a little bit. Verse 27. And at this point, his disciples came. They suddenly come back now, right? And they marveled that he had talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? The woman left her water pot. She brought the water pot to Jacob's well to get water, but she got living water. And so she forgot about her old surviving lifestyle. <laughs> she left it behind. My friend, it's time for you to leave your water pot up behind. Amen. She went into the city. Now she's a revivalist. And she said to the men, Come and see the man who told me all the things that I have ever done. Now, most of us would not be excited about that unless we're free from our past. Friend, you can be free from the sins that have controlled you in your past. I promise you, there is uh, he's the bondage breaker. Jesus is the one who breaks chains and brings deliverance and healing and salvation. Hallelujah. She said, 
Come see the man who told me all these things. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him and said, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. He's like, I see a little of this survivalist mentality upon you, my disciples. And therefore the disciples said, has anyone brought him anything? And, and or I just said, but, but he said, do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look to the fields for they're already white and to harvest. He's saying, look up, you revivalists. Stop looking down as a survivalist. Look up, look up, look up, because Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. And if you look up to God and you see how great he is, then what the enemy is trying to tell you to look down upon and, and that you should be hopeless. Oh, my friend, he's saying you don't have to live like that. You don't have to live a depressed, hopeless life anymore. You can be free. You can encounter the living water of the true revivalist. In verse 36, and he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you did not labor, others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. Friend, there's people that have gone before you and me that lived as revivalists so that we survivalists can pick up where they left off and no longer be survivalists, but take on the title of revivalist. Listen, I want to pray for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, everybody who's listening or watching to the sound of my voice, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would release revival fire upon their hearts today, that they would have burning hearts, and, and Lord, that they would go away with the sense of new destiny and purpose, just like the Samaritan woman did at the well, that she would forget and leave behind her own survivalist mentality and take up the new calling as being a revivalist. Lord, your anointing is upon those listening today, and I thank you, God, for humility and brokenness, that as we repent, we know that you hear us, we know that you forgive us, and we know that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and you do not change. We welcome you into our hearts. Baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Send us an email at info at revivalcry.org. Check out our website at www.revivalcry.org. We love you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Revival Cry with Eric Miller. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more or partner with our missions work around the world, please visit us at revivalcry.org. I look forward to being with you next week.